issue season one as we talk about healthcare. My name is Jason Edson and I'm a trainer with the Americans for Prosperity Foundation. Together with Caleb Stokes, we're going to be breaking down and breaking apart the issue of healthcare. We're going to be talking about the problems and the solutions for what we can do today and in the future. We're also looking at how we got here and what happened to make the system the way that it is today and how we can ensure that we always get the best care that we deserve. So healthcare, uh, there are a lot of different subjects below and under healthcare. I mean, it's really the umbrella and there's so many different stuff we can talk about. Is that a reason you think that so many people are intimidated by healthcare is just it seems so confusing and broad. I think that's a big reason for it is that a lot of people just think of healthcare as this one monolithic idea that everything can be fixed, everything is one big giant bite that you have to take to try to fix mm-hmm. and it really isn't. And 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 a lot of people think that you have to have that huge shift all at once either this way or that way but like you were just saying, there's so many small things and nuances and different issues within that umbrella issue that you, you can't just go for that big shift at once. Yeah, well, there's no one size fits all option. There's no one big change that we can accomplish. And it kind of gets mm-hmm. to that idea that the argument in healthcare right now is do we want a complete government takeover of healthcare or do we want to leave the status quo? And I think that's a false narrative. That's a false choice Mm -hmm. because there are a whole range of things that we can do independently, both state law and both on a federal level that cause these small changes that have these huge ripple effects downstream. Yeah. And it winds up creating barriers for people to have access to healthcare, to have uh, better quality, more affordable, and just more personal options for their families. Yeah. yeah, personal anytime personal options are involved for my family, especially with healthcare, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Exactly. Exactly. Like um, HSAs are a great example. Not everybody has access to an HSA. That's going to be one of our conversations is HSA, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to take a deep dive into how universal access to HSAs can change healthcare for families, for single people, for people with chronic illnesses, for people that are only worried about emergencies, having that little stash of money set aside that you don't pay taxes on and just sits there for when you need it is a great way to take control of your health care. And some people don't have access and that's wrong. And and to your point also, most health care isn't an emergency. Everyone's usually thinking, oh, I got to go to the ER. I'm going to be in the ICU. It's, you know, my, my health options are going to be life or death situations, but that's not how it is most of the time. It's most of the time going to the urgent care or your local family doctor or your local, your local PA or nurse practitioner. Yeah, most of our healthcare is pretty planned out. Only a very small percentage of what we do is truly an emergency. 
And I'm saying that as a paramedic. I spent yeah. you know, 17 years in emergency medicine. So it hurts my soul just a little bit to say that the vast majority of the time we can stop, pause, and really think about our options. Yep. And that's what it's about, options. And and we, we yep. just mentioned that you were paramedic for 17 years, which is what I am going to enjoy most about these conversations because I, I'm the guy with pretty limited understanding about these nuances of healthcare. So I think you're going to piss me off almost every time talking about different regulations and how government's getting involved in lowering our personal options. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited to learn how I can make a difference on each of these individual little issues. Yeah. And I love talking about it and talking about all these issues. And yeah, there are some maddening pieces out there of government and these regulations. And they all started with positive intentions. You know, no one ever came in and said, I think I'm going to hurt people this way by limiting their health care. But it just turned out that these policies don't work or the technology changed or they haven't been touched for 40 years. you and I were talking the other day about telemedicine. I mean, there, there are laws and regulations controlling and, li- and limiting a lot of telemedicine because they're based on laws that were created in the early 90s. I mean, that's bizarre. Even further back than uh, that. I mean, when we would fix it, I, I grew right? up, you know, I'll probably tell this story a couple times, but I grew up at a time where the house had one phone. And if I was on the phone, no one else could get a phone call. Like there were busy signals. Like my dad had to tell me to get off the phone. You had the old like rotary that back in the was, day, right? Is that- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My grandparents, they had the rotary phone for the longest time. I used it growing up. They would not go to touch tone until they had to. But the point is that that was the level of technology in this country when some of the regulations governing telehealth were created. And I mean, COVID was all yeah. was obviously a huge tragedy for the world. But when you look at some of those silver linings, um, yeah. you know, we, we had to immediately innovate and a lot of folks weren't ready um, because that innovation happened so quickly. Yep. And it's just a shame that those laws and regulations couldn't have been changed, you know, when you were using your, your rotary phone back in the day because... Um, had they changed over a period of time, we, we would already have telemedicine. We would have already had and innovated different ways that we can communicate with doctors during a pandemic. We certainly saw some bright spots mm-hmm. in medicine, mm-hmm. and we saw some things that we need to fix. It really exposed some ways that we're hurting people on a daily basis and amplified that pain. Going and looking back at the past year, year and a half, what do you think was government's worst decision or when did they act outside of their proper role the most when it came to COVID? I think I want to kind of reframe your question a little bit because I think there was a realization of when they were acting outside their role Mm -hmm. and a quick change to Mm -hmm. it because we saw telemedicine laws suddenly get relaxed, but they weren't relaxed in a good way. Like we went from you can't bill for telemedicine or you can't reach out and talk to one to one of your patients over the phone or on a computer and it immediately switched to the government saying we're shutting down your office you cannot have people in it and in 48 hours you have to be able to talk to people online learn how to use that so that kind of such (laughs) yeah yeah right buy all the equipment you possibly Mm -hmm. could need and do it in a compatible way and do it in a HIPAA compliant way. And you have 48 hours to do it. Good luck. 
That is, it just shows why central planning is not the ideal form of innovation. And, you know, we think about certificate of need laws. No one's ever heard of certificate of need yeah. laws. Yeah, um, that when we were talking about accessibility <laughs> earlier, yep. we're going to go through the certificate of need and con mm-hmm. laws and talking about pissing me off. Yep. That, that whenever you hinder competition <laughs> in our country, you're hindering uh, our, our development as human beings. So it's... Um, yep. Preventing doctors from buying the equipment they need. Yep. That's not a recipe for yeah. success. And those were laws that were at the start of the pandemic were immediately repealed. Because they knew it wasn't working. So there's <laughs> our lesson. Because <laughs> they knew it wasn't working. Ay, ay, ay. And, yep. and also with accessibility, it's kind of tied to scope of practice. And I mentioned earlier nurse practitioners mm-hmm. and uh, physician assistants. Um, so I, th- I think we're going to we'll be yeah. able to dive into that, what their roles are, how we could we should, especially yeah. in, in more rural areas where I live, have more access to folks like that. Yeah. Two fields that have amazing people working for them that we need to empower and to just get out of the way and let them do what they do well. And honestly, an issue about which I know very little is VA reform. Um, I. I I know that we've yeah. made a lot of success, but there's still a huge, more uh, a huge hill that we still have to climb. Um, and I, I'm excited to bring on a colleague from CVA, Concerned Vets for America, and uh, maybe even a couple other experts to chat about the VA. That's what I'm looking forward to as well, because I don't know a ton about VA reform either. You know, it's it's an important subject, and there's there's a whole separate medical system yeah. there that we've been working our organization's been working on trying to to help for years so i'm looking forward to bringing uh, experts in on that i'm looking forward to bringing experts in on all sorts yeah, of things that's actually... you know i'm 40 i have three kids whenever i think of healthcare, i think of my family and it was 20 years ago when i was a young single guy only thinking about how to best care for myself so i want to bring someone on one of our colleagues to talk about that what healthcare looks like for someone single today yeah are we going to What's talk up? about lawsuits at all? I think we should. Do lawsuits raise the cost of health care? Where do they sit? Are providers truly constantly scared of being sued? Mm-hmm. You know, what, is, what, what could reform there yeah, do? Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm also looking forward to just the history of health care. Um, I don't know how far back we're yep. going to go when we bring in our historian, but I, at least going through the health care in America and really when it, beca- when it became too expensive and too inaccessible, which was probably over the past century or so. Um, because what's cool about going through the Where history, we started and where we yeah, go. Yeah, what's cool about going through the history is it will provide different alternatives that we did in the past that are really just more personal options rather than having government come in with wide elbows and, and basically have a, a large, too large of a say. Yeah, and how did we take care of each other when there wasn't yeah. A federal government that could electronically show up at any moment <laughs> you know and that plays into the future yeah. you know what's coming down the pipeline yeah. you know more and more states are legalizing cannabis for both medicinal and for recreational yeah. use i want to take some time bring an expert on because i don't know a lot about this is what are the medicinal benefits mm-hmm. and not just that but what don't we know what will legalization allow in terms of research that's a good- What's That's out a great there? Point. I mean, it's not just the future of the stuff we know. It's what don't we know? 
you know, what else is out there? What is innovation? And what are we blocking right now? What can we do? And also talking about the future, all of these uh, regulations that were let go due to COVID, are are they are they going to come back? Mm -hmm. Or are we still going to be allowed to, to innovate and use telemedicine? And especially, I felt horrible for my actor friends in New York, because for the longest time, uh, they were locked in their studio, one-bedroom apartments. They weren't able to leave. Their mental health uh, was struggling a great deal, and they had no community on whom to rely. And it, they weren't allowed for a specific period of time to even talk to their therapists. So my heart, my heart yeah. breaks for them, and that's just the people I know in one city. I mean, this was a nationwide, worldwide right, yeah. problem. Yeah. What is mental health in the 21st century? look like and what's the future of it look like and to talk about medicinal marijuana can those two um, be tied together you know i'm looking forward to all that and more and there's tons of stuff that we can talk about around those two that's what that's 20 25 things that we kind of want to talk about it'll be a good time what we were saying earlier it's going to break down that intimidating umbrella that is healthcare and go into the nuances and say you, you know, we can understand this. You, Jason, can teach this to me. And if it's not overwhelming, I can do something about it. Exactly. Exactly. We don't have to tackle healthcare by having some giant overarching federal change that does everything at once. We can, in our individual communities, make individual changes to make people's lives better. What's at Issue is a project of the Americans for Prosperity Foundation, copyright 2021. I'm Jason Edson, and on behalf of Caleb Stokes and our entire team, thank you for listening.